This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 221, submission number 730, The Last Precinct. The Last Precinct aired on NBC from January 26th to May 30th, 1986, for a total of eight episodes. Yeah, you can hear by the uh, creepy NBC chimes at the end and the laughing dummy that this is a show that's going to go there. Yeah, and for all intents and purposes, it goes there. So, in so many words, it is the 1980s. The Police Academy movies? Popular. Police Squad, not so much. Give it another few years, they'll have the movie of Police Squad, and people will eat it up. Okay, maybe it it didn't do well in the ratings, it only had six episodes, but it was good enough to launch a trilogy, for heaven's sakes. Oh, yes. A trilogy that's still fondly remembered today. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. right. I love it. It's good. I love it. What's that smell? Oh, that would be me. I've been swimming in raw sewage. I love it. I love it. That's the signal. Let's go. Do it. Do it. Hey. Must be stuck. Give me a hand. Ed, help me. Ed. Search him. I love it. The naked gun looks good. I love it. You love it. That's the signal. Oh, looks good. 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 
good. Oh, it looks good. Looks good. And you know, another thing that was popular in the 80s, the works of one Stephen J. Cannell. God, where do we even start with this guy? He was legendary in television. We oh, have he had the A team. The A team. Uh, we're talking about the greatest American hero. Yeah. We're he talking had... about um... Oh, Hardcastle and McCormick. Riptide, our favorite. Hunter. Oh yeah. Wise Guy, 21 Jump Street. The Commish. Oh, oh, Stephen J. Cannell was also responsible for Silk Stockings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but, okay, show of hands, how many of you stayed up past curfew to watch Silk Stockings? Oh, I would stay, after Monday Night Raw, I would stay up just to watch the intro to Silk Stockings. That was like my softcore porn back in the day. That's exactly what it is. I was going to say the exact same thing. That was early 90s softcore porn. Yes. Yeah. And, of course, he did, let's say, um, Black Sheep Squadron, Baba Black Sheep, Beretta, uh, Adam 12, he did that. He did a, a previous entry, actually. Are you ready for this? Yeah. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. Okay. Caesar's Caesar's Challenge. Caesar says stop. Yeah, many people think that that's Ahmad Rashad's greatest work. I'm sorry. Ahmad Rashad's greatest work was two weeks ago when he proposed to Felicia Rashad. Anyway. No, I thought his greatest work is right now with Tug of Words on GSN. I will die on my hill, Greg. His greatest work was with the Minnesota Vikings in the 70s. Stop both of you. (laughs) We're all lying to ourselves. His greatest work was NBA Inside Stuff with Willow Bay. Summer Sanders, son! I'm more I like a- Willow Bay more. We'll take that. I'm okay. more of a Willow Bay guy. All right. Oh, and also he did a little show called 21 Jump Street that introduced the world to uh, some guy who was in Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. wonder what he's doing nowadays. I don't know. I heard he was a pirate. Anyway, so suffice it to say, Stephen J. Cannell's body of work is undefeated. So he decided, you know what? He's going to branch out into comedy? Yeah. Why not? Hey, he did a game show, so why not a comedy? No. Well, He's known for gritty crime dramas and even not-so-gritty crime dramas, Richie Brockleman, Private Eye. I see you. So he teamed up with longtime collaborator Frank Lupo, got his band of merry men, including uh, one Joe Swirling Jr., and created The Last Precinct. So what is The Last Precinct about? Well, The Last Precinct's basically about a gang of police officers who are kind of like misfits in literally like the last precinct that anyone would ever want to go to. That would be Los Angeles 56. I did the research. So would you actually say that this may be like Brooklyn nine, nine, maybe, you know, 30 years early. 
Yeah. Uh, I was just about to say, it's like, this is a pre-Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay. Even, yeah, and, and it had everything going for it. It had incredible talent. It had incredible writing. And it had a theme song that, if you ask me, is a bop. And it was written by the king and prince of the theme song bop, Mike Post and Pete Carpenter. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And like I said, the NBC chimes and like that demonic version of it at the end is like so amazing. That surprisingly dark take on the chimes. Okay. So now the question becomes, and of course we'll get to the answer of said question. What went wrong? We'll find out in due course. But first, let's go over all the people who make up the last precinct. Like I said, these are all officers in the Los Angeles 56th, including, and I am not kidding when I say this, a sexy woman who used to be a man... (laughs) A policeman from India who's extremely naive and dumb. A pair of olds that are nicknamed Butch and Sundance. <laughs> Butch and Sundance. Can I take back my comparison to Brooklyn Nine-Nine? And wait, not yet. And a guy who is a I wanna say he's a method Elvis impersonator. Yes. Now you can take back your comparison, Mike. Okay, thank you. He's a Method Elvis impersonator, and you know what his nickname is? His nickname is King. You know what? I'm beginning to see why this TV show didn't work. Just saying. So now the question is, who did they get to star in this seeming pile of hour-long sitcom? Well, I'll tell you. Playing the main character, Sergeant Price Pascal, is Jonathan Perpich, who he he has like a really big. Um, he's kind of like the leader of the gang. Yeah, he's the leader of the gang. He sort of calls the shots. He's sort of think Carrie Mahoney from Police Academy. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Yeah. And this was basically his one and only lasting credit. Yeah, that's basically it. Other than that, he was basically that guy from that thing. Next, we have Officer William Raid Raider, played by Rick Duckerman, who is basically the uh, goofy tubby guy. The goofy tubby guy, but Rick Duckerman has been... Many things. No longer with us, sadly. But he was in The Burbs with Tom Hanks. And hey, Chico, you know, Mm -hmm. I mentioned Blank Check a while back. Uh, I know you mentioned Blank Check a while back. He played the limo driver to Brian Bonsall's character in Blank Check. You ever know any gold diggers? Man, have I? I hate them. They're the worst. The way I look at it, you know, anybody who is your friend because you have money is not your friend at all. That's it. You know what they say about gold? He who has the gold makes the rules. 
No, 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 no. A fool and his gold are soon parted. What does that mean? A fool and his gold are soon parted. Those old sayings, man. I don't get them. I don't even know really what that means. You ever heard that uh, more than one way to skin a cat? Have you heard that one? Who skins cats? Why would you skin a cat? And there is not more than one way to skin a cat. There is only one way to skin a cat. You grab the cat, you rip the skin off the cat. What is a number two way? Think about it. What, what do you put a hose up the cat's butt? He gets so bloated that he skins himself. What does he, what does he have a little piece of Velcro under his butt there? We just like un-Velcro him? No. Kill two birds with one stone. You heard that one? Do you know anyone who has even killed one bird with one stone? Kids try it all the time. You can't hit a bird with a stone. Unless you got a big, huge stone and they're little, tiny, baby birds. Then, beep, beep, beep. Oh, uh, speaking of which, did you know that today, as we record this, is Brian Bonsall's birthday? Oh, really? I did not know that. So, if uh, if by any chance Brian Bonsall is listening, happy birthday. Anyway, next playing Sergeant Tremaine Night Train Lane. Oh, who yeah. yes. Is an undercover pimp uh, from the pilot, or at least he plays one. He's usually doing the undercover stuff in most of the episodes. And very convincingly, I might add. Uh, little known actor, you may have heard of him, Ernie Hudson. Oh, yeah! Winston! Yeah, he was in a little art house film in the mid-80s called uh, Ghostbusters. Hey, I heard that got a sequel. I heard that got a sequel. And a reboot pull? A reboot pull? A, a boot pull? I, I don't know what a sequel reboot hybrid is. Well, yeah, yeah. He, he calls it Ghostbuster After. Okay. Oh, that's I don't know what, what it's after, but it's Ghostbuster After. I talk about the new movie, Ghostbuster. The movie called Ghostbuster After. Oh, hey, have you seen Afterlife yet? Of course I have. Okay, do you want me to ruin the the after the credit scene for Ghostbusters Afterlife? Of course I do. Okay. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! So at the end of Ghostbusters Afterlife, at the end credits scene, Winston's with Janine, Annie Potts' character, and they're talking about all the old memories and stuff, and Winston's talking about how he wants to bring back the Ghostbusters, so he buys the old firehouse. Because it's mentioned by Ray earlier in the movie that Winston got into finance. And the final scene is, you look at the contamination unit, it's blinking red. Uh-oh. 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 So I'm guessing I there's... smell sequel. Oh, yeah. Then you have Officer Bell Brubaker, who is the trans female, played by Randy Brooks. Who is basically a scream queen. Yes. Although she has a recurring role on Mancuso FBI is Jean St. John. What the hell is Mancuso FBI? Could very well be a future entry for all I know. Okay. But yeah, oh, she was also uh, a damsel of distress in... Wizards and Warriors, which is oh. actually already on the list. Okay. So yeah, Randy Brooks is a scream queen, and um, she was in a bunch of B movies that are probably on Shout TV right now. Maybe on Shudder. Who knows? Maybe. 
She played Mrs. Funk on Hamburger the Motion Picture. Ooh, Hamburger the Motion Picture. Yeah. And then you have Pete Wilcox, who plays King. Oh. That's all they know him as, is King. Or <laughs> he, The King. He doesn't have a name, just he's just The King. Well, hold on, I have an answer. Oh, you but have an answer? I oh. think I have an. I have a, a very uh, good explanation for that. Oh! If you look at IMDb... Uh-huh. I'm, I'm just going to go through this really fast. Just a couple of his credits and notice uh, some sort of... I see a variation on a theme here, buddy. Is this going to be a Mr. Whipple drunk <laughs> thing again? No, the, well, kind of, sort of. But not drunk, no. All right. On 18 Wheels of Justice, future entry. Yeah. Future entry. He plays a character called Elvis. <laughs> on Pacific Blue, he played a character called Preacher Elvis. Oh. On ER in 1998, he played a character called Over the Hill Elvis. <laughs> uh, on, on Renegade, uh, he played The King. Oh. On Sears in 1991, he played. Stop me if you've heard this. Elvis. On Dr. Doctor, another future entry, he played Elvis. Oh. Oh. On Charles in Charge, he played, wait for it, Elvis. (laughs) And and maybe this is staying in the same realm, but on an episode of Elf, he played Aaron King. Not the king, not king, Aaron King. (laughs) Okay. And on Sledgehammer... Yet another future entry. He played third Elvis impersonator. Third Elvis impersonator. Wait, it gets better. In his first credit, a TV movie called For the Love of It, he didn't play third Elvis impersonator. He played Elvis number four. (laughs) So he upgraded from Elvis number four to Elvis number three on Elf. No, no, he he was Aaron King on Elf. He upgraded from Elvis number four on... uh, for love of it, a TV movie to third Elvis impersonator on Sledgehammer. Okay, Sledgehammer. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and he was also in uh, Going Places. He played oh. somebody called Reverend King. Oh, Going Places. You know what? One day, and I'm sorry, Joe and Michael. One day we're going to talk about Going Places, preferably whenever there's another new season of Succession. When you know it's going to take a while. Yeah, I know, but still, we need an excuse one day to talk about Alan Ruck. Why do we need an excuse to talk about Alan Ruck? He's Alan Ruck. Let's just talk about him. Exactly. Let's just talk about him. So yeah, Pete Wilcox, he was... He was Elvis. Uh-huh, uh-huh. 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 Oh, I, and his last known credit was as a contestant on... The next best thing, who is the greatest celebrity impersonator? Three guesses who he was trying to be. Oh, Elvis. John John Madden. John Madden. No. no that's wrong. Can I do it? You said three guesses. Second guess. Uh, he was doing Rich Little. No? no. Okay, third guess. Um, crap, I just don't know. It's Elvis. It's Elvis. Really? Yeah. I, I would have said Richard Dixon. 
Hey, Mike. Do you think he ever met Elvez? Now, seriously, I'm going to take a look. I do want to see if maybe he was one of the Elvis impersonators on Weakest Link. Oh, I hope he was. Oh, if he was, that's like the crown jewel. That's like the the diamonds. You know what? I'm surprised he wasn't in Honeymoon in Vegas as one of the Elvis impersonators. One of the the flying Elvises. Oh, and Honeymoon in Vegas. I'm surprised he didn't do that. Okay, sorry. It doesn't look like... uh, he was on the weakest link. But, oh. uh, also, at the same time, I, I'm just doing a cursory search. I don't have the episode in front of me. He, he may have, but uh, I, I'm guessing possibly not. Okay. But that would have been great if he was. Uh, okay. You got any more from the cast, Chico? We have a lady by the name of Sergeant Martha Haggerty, played by Yana Nirvana. Yana Nirvana. Yana Nirvana. And, and basically, she was a very straight-laced, by-the-book sort of... sort of. Um, she was a police officer's police officer, basically. Yeah! And In fact, uh, she played, like, police officers in Another 48 Hours and Max Headroom. Max Headroom! Another future entry. But also, she was on the other side of the law in a 1984 episode of Night Court. She played a hooker in a uh, jail cell. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's your Night Court reference. The the least expected Night Court reference ever. We got a few more people we need to talk about. Yeah, we do have a few more people. But I'm looking at the lesser known names. There's two big names uh, we need to talk about, but oh, let's yeah. go through some of the, okay. the lesser-known gonna, characters first. I'm going to go with the uh, lesser-known ones. We have, and I'm sorry if I butcher this name, VJ Emritraj as <laughs> Shiva Ramanbai Punchwala. You know what his nickname is? Alphabet. This is horrible. It's Alphabet. Alphabet. That is horrible. But... I know him best as he was the sidekick to James Bond in Octopussy. And, and, all- and he played Ali Nadim on Future Entry and back recovering it next year. What a country. What a country. Oh, and also, Chico, because we will talk about Star Trek Four next year. He has a cameo in Star Trek Four as as a captain. As he a captain. A- Who's like reporting on the progress of like the damage to his ship from the whale probe as yep. like Brock Peters and the president dude who John Shuck said Starfleet regulations that's outrageous. Starfleet regulations that's outrageous. We're talking about the effects of the probe and everything. And also I'm gonna add that before he got into acting, he was a world-class tennis player for two decades. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. And, and he actually does commentary now. Yep. Oh. Uh-uh. He does. And, and you know something else? He was on a week of countdown in the U- 1999. The UK countdown? The UK countdown. He was in Dictionary Quarter with Susie. Oh, wow. Who wouldn't want to be in Dictionary Quarter with Susie Dent? 
Good night, everybody. Ah, there you go. Okay. Just saying. Now we talked about the two olds who are nicknamed Butch and Sundance. <laughs> no. Playing Sundance is Hank Rolike, who is just this legend of the screen here. Uh, sadly, no longer with us, but he's known for playing Apollo's Cutman in Rocky and Rocky 2. And Rocky 2. And he was also the third bus driver on an episode of Davis Rules. Oh, previous installment, Davis Rules. But also, but also remember, Davis Rules premiered after the Super Bowl. That's right. So did this. Yes. Exactly. This this show premiered after Super Bowl Twenty, And in fact, there was like a series of advertisements. I think there was like one during the start of the game and then one at halftime with Joe Montana and his wife talking about the game and then saying, oh, man, well, the last precinct's coming on after the game. Uh, I can't wait for that. Like, we'll play these ads right here. Since I'm sitting this one out, how about after the Super Bowl, you and I have a little romance? Uh-uh. After the game, I'm getting my last from the last precinct. From here on in, the name of the game is Passing. Running. It's Eason and McMahon. It's running. Listen, I've been there twice. Yeah, well, this year you're home, sweetie. Hey, the last precinct is coming up. It'll give you a few laughs. <laughs> Off the field for a change. And Sundance's partner slash best friend is a guy by the name of Butch. Playing the role of Butch. Sit down, Greg. Do you want me to say it? Are you ready for this? You'll get the most bang out of the buck for it, so do it, Greg. Okay. Keenan win. <laughs> he went from the super train to the love boat to the Los Angeles 56th. Gotta be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, oh he yeah. definitely definitely he has is, to be. He is definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer. He impressed that boardroom when he unveiled the super train to everybody. Trans Allied Corporation will construct, starting from scratch, the first continental railroad capable of crossing this country. In 36 hours. Do you know what I think, Winfield? You're letting your psychotic fascination with railroads lead you into a suicidal gamble with the future of this company. So you think it's a gamble, do you? I give you Super Train. It runs on extra large tracks, people. And now we have Plague Lieutenant Hobbs, the guy who is... He's a jer- he's a he's the baddie sheriff. He's like a jerk. He, oh, he is the uh, heel of the group. He is the heel. He plays the uh, Lieutenant Hobbs of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office. He's a jerk. Wings Hauser. This is one Wings that Greg doesn't like. No, I don't like this Wings. This Wings Hauser guy. For all I know, he might be in the Charles Logan territory of, like, people I can't stand. (laughs) But, yeah, he is known for playing uh, that jerk from that thing. Uh, He was in Roseanne. He was on China Beach. He was uh, in the A-Team. He was in Magruder and Loud. 90210. 
Murder, She Wrote, and he spent 10 years playing Greg Foster on The Young of the Restless. For oh. those of you who like to watch your stories. Next, you have Officer Rita Starland, played by Lucy Lee Flippin. Her uh, Rezo Detra, according to uh, Greg, who told it, me this off camera. Uh, well, what was it, Greg? She basically wants the Rick Dockerman's character. Yeah, that, that's all you need to know about her. And uh, you may not remember her, but if you are a fan of Small Wonder, which we will talk about, well, the first season someday... She played Mrs. Cynthia Jennings, the snooty social worker. Oh. Oh, her. Okay. Yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I guess but, we see. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking at the. Yep, we saved the biggest name for last. Yes. Playing Rick Wright, the captain. captain. Of the Los Angeles 56th. Yes. Adam, mother, father, West. And if you don't know who Adam West is... Yeah, we know, we know, we know. Stop. Greg, say it. Say what you're just going to say. Nobody messes with Adam Wee. Nobody messes with Adam Wee. My name isn't Adam Wee. Or is it? Who am I? What number did you dial? Don't ever call here again. I guess I told him. Nobody messes with Adam Wee. And of course, who could forget when he, on Family Guy, when he <laughs> was fighting to get superpowers by rolling in the toxic waste. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Ma- Mayor West is great. Mayor West, you have lymphoma. What the hell were you doing? <laughs> I was trying to get superpowers. Well, that's just silly. Silly, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, suffice it to say, the talent was strong with this one. Well, yeah. you even, wait, wait, wait. You even forgot somebody. I, oh, okay, we did? Oh, yeah. We, okay. We yeah, uh, we forgot about Chief Bloodhorn. Oh, yeah. He's oh, a recurring yeah. character on this show. He appears in all eight episodes. Are James Cromwell. Yes, James Cromwell. He invented Warp Drive, Chico. He invented Warp Drive. He is a shepherd. Babe. Yeah, he was in Babe. Yeah. And also... He was in this Wendy's commercial. Would you choose hamburger A, a Wendy's hamburger made with fresh beef, or B, made with beef that's been frozen? Hamburger B. Why? Looks like the chow we had in the Marines. Was it good? No, it was terrible, but what memories. Slogging chest deep through the muck, mosquitoes as big as choppers, smell of sulfur in the air, I loved it. Say, were you in the Corps? No. I didn't think so. Suffice it to say, a man of many talents. Yes. Yeah, the versatile James Cromwell. Yep. And did everything from Babe to L.A. Confidential. And he also was on one of my favorite TV shows of the last 10 years. He played uh, Natalie Z's father on The Detour. Oh, that's right, The Detour. Yep. Yeah, Yeah, he, he played Natalie Z's father who... 
he was a bastard. Let's just say that he he was not father of the year uh, material. Yeah. So. Well, the detour that made Jason Jones's career just like Tony Shalhoub made his career on Wings. Uh huh. You, you mean being married to Samantha B didn't make his career? Mm. Well, that too. Okay. That'll make anybody's career. Was also on one of my favorite shows, and probably one of Greg's as well, 24. That's right, he was on 24. Yep, he played uh, Philip Bauer, Jack Bauer's daddy. That's right, he was Jack Bauer's dad. Did he kick that bastard Charles Logan's ass at any time? He probably did. Okay, good. Somebody I can root for. Oh, totally. So now, now we have the, the, the key players out of the way. Now we have the key players out of the way, and now we can talk about the goings-on of the Los Angeles 56th. And, Chico, you got this episode guide from... I got this from our friends at TV Maze. Yes. So, special shout-out to TV Maze. Our first episode is the episode that aired after the Super Bowl, and it was the pilot, obviously. And actually, this one comes from IMDB because it is very, very extensive. Here we go. The LAPD, not knowing what to do with their weirdos, decide to put them in one precinct. Among these individuals, King, who likes to make himself look like Elvis, Mel, the sexy cop who used to be a guy, and Price Pascal, who is basically a good cop, but unfortunately has a thing for the ladies, and unfortunately for him, one of his conquests turns out to be the mayor's underage daughter. Uh-oh! Uh-oh! Yuck. <laughs> now Price and the rest of the gang constantly find themselves butting heads with the sheriff's department. It seems that they get the bust that the sheriff's department was working on, and Ronald Hobbs, the lieutenant of the sheriff's department, always seems to lose all the girls he is interested to Price. True story, in the first five minutes of the pilot, Hobbs was uh, getting what he thought was a phone number for a waitress who was being held hostage. Oh, yeah. I believe she was it was played by a noted soap opera actress Catherine Kelly Lang. Yeah, way. and the robber I believe was played by uh, Jerry Burns, who was on. If this is is something so right, a future entry. If it is not, it should be. Yeah, because he was the dad on Something So Right. Yeah, oh. you know who the grandfather was on Something So Right? Who? And now here's the star. The Price is Right, Bob Barker. Oh wow. Oh, and Jerry Burns was also on future installment Good Morning Miami. So yeah, guy gets around. Guy yes. gets around. But anyway, yeah, Hobbs was actually, he thought he was grabbing a phone number. But it turns out it was a note signaling that, well, she and her co-worker are being held hostages by Jerry Burns. I mean, come on. Who doesn't read a phone number before putting it in his pocket? That's just dumb. Right? Yeah. Yeah, And by the way, 
Price, he arrives on the scene. Gunplay ensues. It captures Jerry Burns' character. And Price and the waitress make out in the parking lot. Oh, jeez. That's basically his character. Yeah. He is, in all form and facet... Carrie Mahoney. Carrie Mahoney. Yeah. Presently, in the pilot, now we're talking about the pilot here, they were working on busting a drug ring, but when Hobbs and his crew interfered, it goes wrong. Hobbs complains that it was their fault, so the city is considering closing down the precinct and dismissing them from the department. So they have to try and do something that will convince the chief that they are not the incompetents that he thinks they are. Okay, now do I want to explain what happens here? Yes, sir, you do. Okay, so the mobster in this episode is a blind man named Deadeye Al who has a seeing eye dog. Now, remember, now... There's so many, like, things, like, they have, like, these captions saying, this is important, remember this for later. Right, Chico? That is correct. This is one of those things that the show itself is very comical. It it has, like, a bunch of captions. It's very expository. It's almost meta to a fault. So, the officers at the last precinct, they want to replace their drug-sniffing dog with... The sheriff's department's drug-sniffing dog, Waldo, who is a top dog at sniffing drugs. So they switch their dog with the sheriff's department's dog. So they get the sheriff's department dog. They find the drugs. And they arrest Deadeye Al. But as Deadeye Al is getting released from the prison... They mix up the drug-sniffing dog with the seeing-eye dog. So Deadeye Al goes out with the with the drug-sniffing dog, and they're left with the seeing-eye dog. And so the sheriff's department wants their dog back, thinking that the seeing-eye dog is their dog. So right when they're about to make a switch, one of the mobsters... <laughs> Oh my god! Kills the seeing eye dog, oh my god. which is their own dog. They unknowingly it, killed their own dog. It, 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 it gets so much better, guys. Really okay, at the end of the episode, and well, you know what? Let me just play the clip right here. So now there's like this big chase when they're trying oh to get get dead eye out because I think they have to get him to to the the dog to the court in time to get the drugs so they have to take the Waldo the drug sniffing dog away from Deadeye Al and bring him back oh. Oh and I mentioned that the, the uh the drugs are encased in a block of cement for him to sniff to see if he can actually sniff the drugs no okay okay let me play it right here Eric. Oh yeah, and Dead Eye Al's a bad shot because he's blind. He was the judge. The dogs. Ah. Oh. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Panthers. <laughs> but there's a resolution speech bubbles with a with an evidence box. The dog is barking at the evidence box and the speech bubble says Dope! 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 And, then- and, and, and the and the judge puts the gavel down and the, and the dog's speech bubble says <laughs> I cannot do this with a straight I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it since you're dead. Case closed. Case closed. Oh my gosh. <sighs> oh shit. Yeah, this is very much like police squad type of stuff going on. This, this yeah. is great. Yes. Yes, it is. And that was the pilot. That's what aired after the Super Bowl, and everybody and their mother watched it. But if they want to watch the rest of the run, they have to wait a few weeks. They had to wait like well, till April. The, the, yeah, they had to wait to April. And actually, I've got the numbers here on the premiere uh, okay. after the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. As as you might expect, the ratings were really good. It started uh, in the first half hour with a twenty six point four rating. But into the second half hour, the second half hour had a 22.5 rating, beaten by a rerun of Murder, She Wrote. Wow. I'll say that again. Beaten by a rerun of Murder, She Wrote. Wow. Yeah. So needless to say, uh, it wasn't as good as maybe uh, NBC expected. No. Well, no. Yeah, well, good to start, but obviously, when, when you lose almost four million viewers in half an hour, when, when you lose like what would that be about 18, 20 percent of your viewership? No bueno, especially no coming off the Super Bowl, especially yeah. coming off the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're really hoping for that, uh, but I guess nobody was ready for an hour long sitcom. I guess not. Well, anyway. well, I, I think that's it. Is it's an hour long sitcom? I don't know, but obviously it was foreshadowing in some way because again, this lasted seven additional episodes. So maybe the writing was on the wall after the first half hour. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, when you, when you lose that many people, that many viewers, and then the next episode isn't going to air for three months. People are gonna forget about you unless it's oh, a yeah. really un- unless it's a really great episode unless it's like Family Guy, first episode of Family Guy after the Super Bowl, absolutely genius. People had to wait, I think, a little while before the next episode, but they came back and they're still coming back twenty two years later, twenty three years later, almost. Well, they had to, well, there was a a brief blip in like two thousand three. So well, 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 yeah, it, it did go off the air in two thousand two. But then it got popular with the DVDs and uh, the Adult Swim reruns and came back in 2005. But still, it had that popularity. It had that base from the first three seasons, and it carried over to the reruns where, hey, people like this show. People watch the show. We're going to reboot it. And believe it or not, that's 17 years ago this May that it re-debuted. The, the, it, it recommenced. Yep. So I just think that possibly, uh, again, due to the low ratings in the first episode, but also just that gap, waiting until 
uh, April to air the next episode, I, I think that really killed his chances right off the bat. Of course, I'm looking at the... Uh, I hope you took notes on this episode, Greg, because I'm looking at the synopsis, and yeah, you, you have uh, situations like these, and it doesn't help your case either. Episode 2, The Gorillagram. The Gorillagram, as Mike Francesa would say. Sergeant Pascal orders Raid undercover in an ape suit to find out who smuggled a large diamond into the country in a gorilla. In a gorilla's body. Yes. Oh, and did I mention the gorilla has a thing for Mel? Because, of course, he does. That's gotta be very progressive for 1986. A gorilla in love with a transgendered police officer. Episode 3. Mr. Cool. When a witness chokes to death before testifying against his former boss, the squad squad (laughs) tries to arrange for the corpse to be killed by the boss to keep the case alive, giving a new meaning to the term cold case. Oh, yeah, because... Okay, now I think I've showed you like some of the clips from this episode, like the stuff with yeah, the pizza. I'm looking, I'm looking at one of the clips of the episode right now in your Zoom background there, Greg. Yeah, so in the episode, the witness, he wanted like this, he wanted a pizza. But the pizza like gets like, there's some shenanigans with the <laughs> chase with the pizza and the pizza's on the ground. And <laughs> there's like a... I think, if you look at the archives, I think I said, oh, I posted it on my Instagram. There's a run over pizza. The pizza actually gets run over. And it says, quote, this is the caption. 80% of all accidents to pizzas happened within 10 miles from a pizzeria. All right, the pizza's all bad, so we're going to give him chicken. And what happens? He dies choking on the chicken. Perfectly balanced lunch. All chicken, all fried. Where's my pizza? It's uh, somewhere between La Brea and Melrose on 6th. It's uh, dead. But I brought you Jekyll's chicken. You'll love it. I hate chicken. I ordered pizza. Look, pal, Mumble Bob and his goons tried to tail us. Now, you're lucky you're eating that and not lead. And we saved your life. Forget the pizza. Eat the chicken. You know what? I ought to blow this whole deal for you guys. My deal was whatever I wanted. I wanted pizza, not chicken. Chicken are not your most fastidious of barnyard animals, you know. They eat bugs, they eat rocks, they eat dirt, they're always scratching around. You never know where it's chicken like it's back. Oh, we need to really think about it. Whoever knows where chicken like it's back. Johnny Maldonado just missed his last call from the governor. You mean he's dead? Oh no, that can't be misinterpreted. <laughs> he died choking on the chicken. Good night, everybody. <sighs> and so now they gotta 
They got a stage. A, they got a stage and actual. It's like, I'm on a weekend at Bernie's this bitch. They weekend at Bernie's the whole episode. They pull a weekend at Bernie's and they try to stage a fake death for him to cover up the fact they accidentally killed him. It's hilarious. <laughs> It'll, it only gets better from here, folks. It only gets better from here. Episode four. I want my mummy. To prevent the theft of a mummy, Price substitutes King for the mummy. Yeah, because there's also like this uh, terrorist group that's trying to kidnap the mummy. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, I should note one of the terrorists in this episode is played by a guy named Don Calfa. Speaking of Weekend at Birdies, he's the guy that killed Birdie in Weekend at Birdies. The first time or the second time? The first time. Okay. Quite a shack you got here. Well, it's, it's home. It's... Ooh. Can I have a cigarette? Hmm? Cigarette. Sure. Sure, 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 sure. Ow! Ooh, what was... Whoa. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, they turned him into like a what? They, in the second movie, didn't they like possess Birdie into like a live chicken or something and make him dance? Something like that, yeah. But yeah, terrorists out to steal an Egyptian money get a keg in disguise. They were looking for a keg. They got a keg of a different kind. Yeah, they. Yeah, King is actually in the. King actually goes into the mummy thing. And he's stuck inside the mummy. In the mummy tomb. The sarcophagus. The sarcophagus of the mummy. Episode 5. Never cross a vampire. Sounds like a funny version of Kolchak the Night Stalker. But anyway. A blood bank theft is followed by the kidnapping of a woman with the same blood type as that which was stolen. Playing the role of the vampire is Richard Lynch, who is a perennial that guy from that thing. But Chico, you know who's in this episode? Who is in this episode? Ernie Sabella. So you know what that means. When he was a young warthog. When I was a young warthog. That's basically required at this point when we mention Ernie Sabella. Uh, yes. Well, also, we have to mention It's Your Move. That is true. Episode 6. A ghost of a chance, and Greg, you you like this? You this was one of your uh, favorites, one. Oh yeah, because in this episode, okay, so Night Train's going undercover for this uh this magician sort of guy, and um who's like a criminal, but like the magician guy, he dies, and for some reason, the magician guy in his will gives Night Train his house. It is well. Like it okay. Is well. It's like the mobster who is a magician, he dies, 
and bequeaths Night Train the house. Now, the search of this house for his diary, it's complicated by the butler, the maid, and the ghost story. Dead magician, gangster, had a diary, and for some reason, a butler and his staff is getting in the way. Yeah. Episode 7. Oh, this is another good episode. This is another one of your favorites. Toehold. Toehold. Captain Wright goes undercover as a wrestler <laughs> to investigate why a one-time hood is producing a wrestling show to benefit a police retirement unit. Yeah, so this is the return of Deadeye Al from the pilot. So he's trying to pretend like now he's like this changed man. He's running a completely legitimate operation. He's running... And you know what says I'm running a completely legitimate operation? Promoting wrestling events. That totally screams legitimate. Just ask Kirby Abrams. Hey, Greg. What? Talking about quote unquote legitimate wrestling uh, shows. Yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about one next year when we talk about the gang wrestles for the troops. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, but oh, <laughs> I should mention do you know who Adam West faces in the big wrestling match in this episode? Who does Adam West face in the big wrestling match at the end of this episode? We talked about him in a previous episode back in Double Dare 85. Professor Toru Tanaka. What? Yes. Yes, that Professor Toru Tanaka, who you probably remember from Three Ninjas. I do. Not gonna lie. I do remember him from Three Ninjas. Yes. Professor Toru Tanaka was in Three Ninjas. And he wrestled Adam West in this. I bet you... You know what? I think Dave Meltzer probably would have reviewed Adam West and Professor Toru Tanaka as... He probably would have said in the Wrestling Observer 1986, match sucked, work rate was terrible, didn't happen in Budokan Hall, negative two stars. Dude, all I can say is that has to be the wildest heel face heel turn ever. Oh, and the best thing is at the end of the episode. Okay, there's like this. Everyone's in the ring because they're all fun. Everybody, there's like a Donnie Brook in the ring. Everyone in the crowd, it's all wild and stuff. And oh, by the way, I should note Deadeye Al's big plan is he's trying to like have a bomb. Like, cause the uh, the arena is right next to a bank, so he's trying to like set off a bomb to open like the bank vault or something. Yeah. So, so he had, so like all this chaos is going on in the ring. It's like, and then all of a sudden, like he's in the ring as the bombs about to go off, and everyone's, and then he's, cause you see, he's blind. He can't see if anything. All he can hear is the cheers, and he's like, "Oh my god, they like me!" They, he's like, "They like me. They really like me." And then, no, no, no. 
And then, uh uh-oh. Uh-oh. He goes to jail. Yep. He was so touched by everyone cheering for him, like, oh, this is, I'm finally going to be a legitimate business. I think I finally found my colleague. Oh, I don't need to be in this crime life anymore. Dong, dong, dong. Boom. You got to jail. Oh, sorry, Dead Al. And finally, episode eight, which aired the, uh, the the first weekend of the summer, the first weekend after Memorial Day, the first week after the uh, 85-86 season ended, Three Ring Circus. Three Ring Circus. An elderly detective comes out of retirement to pursue two elderly bank robbers. Members of a Russian circus decide to defect, and Alphabet dons drag to bust a brothel in which precinct funds were unwittingly invested. Oh. But okay, Chico, playing a guest star in this episode. Now, she's not listed in IMDb, but when I saw her in this episode, I was like, oh yes, I know who this is. Is Frances Bay. And, do you know, Frances Bay, Chico, was Happy Gilmore's grandmother in Happy Gilmore. Oh, she's a... And you know what she also was in? She was in the classic episode of Seinfeld, the Morble Rye episode, where Jerry steals the Morble Rye from her. Hey, that episode gave us the Brooklyn Morble Rye. I can't even. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's cool. That's great. That's inspired by that Seinfeld episode because they do it every year on Seinfeld. 53. 53. I'd like a marble rye, uh, no plastic, in a bag. Ah, you're lucky it's our last one. <laughs> Wait a second, that's your last marble rye? That's right. There's none left? That's what I said. <laughs> Number 54. Uh, excuse me. I know this is going to sound crazy, but I, I have to have that ride. So it's a long story, but a person's whole future may depend on it. Well, I'm sorry. But you should have got here earlier. Yes, well, be that as it may. If you could just find it within yourself to give it up. (laughs) You're not getting this wrong. All right. All right. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I will give you double what you paid for it. You're in my way. (laughs) All right, look, I'll tell you what. I'll give you $50. Now, be reasonable. You cannot turn down $50 for a $6 rye. No. Watch me. Stop it. I want that ride, lady. Help! Someone help! Shut up, you old pig! Oh, and one more thing. Frances Bay was on Twin Peaks. Yep. She played Mrs. Tremond, and she also reprised the role in Fire Walk With Me in 1992. Ah. Yes. At one point in this episode, guys, you're not going to believe this. They play a clip from Leave It to Beaver randomly at one point in the episode. <laughs> Which oh, you know I- what that means? That means technically Tony Dell has another appearance on this podcast. <laughs> Yay! Oh, oh, fun fact. Fun fact. Uh, a guest star on this episode is Tim Swirling, who is the son of supervising producer 
Joe Swirling Jr. Oh. Of course, uh, Joe Swirling Jr. now pretty much runs the Cannell Studios because, well, Stephen J. Cannell sadly no longer with us. Yeah, he is no longer with us. But that's the show. That is the zany madcap mishaps of Los Angeles' 56th Precinct. The wildest, wackiest precinct in all of America. And literally, the last precinct. Or at least the last precinct you want to find yourself face-to-face with. So we go back to the original question. What went wrong? Uh, Well, as I said earlier, the drop in ratings during the Super Bowl or after the Super Bowl during the premiere, that didn't help. But also I have the competition up. All right. On ABC at nine o'clock to 10 o'clock, at least the first week uh, after it returned, we have definitely a future entry and you can make a case that it could be a future entry at nine o'clock. Mr. Sunshine. Not the one with Matthew Perry. No, the one with Jeffrey Tambor and Leonard Fry. Oh, yeah. He's another first ballot Hall of Famer. And and I do believe that is on our list. Pretty sure. Yeah, the 1986 Mr. Sunshine is on the list. Yes. But then the show that followed it at 930, this is not on the list. A show called Joe Bash. What? What is Joe Bash? uh, it, It says it's a comedy drama TV series. So I'm guessing it's of the same sort of vein as the, the last precinct uh it starred peter boyle oh yeah and it ran for six episodes it, it was off the air before the last precinct wow yeah but also okay so we talked about abc so uh, the competition not necessarily there cbs at nine o'clock on fridays in the oh mid 80s I think Chico knows what, what we're, I'm going to say, but I'm going to let him go for it. It's the the Friday Night Death Star, folks. Dallas! It's exactly what it is. And nobody's getting out of Dallas alive. So nope. there's... We talk, your, yeah, your... we talked about this when we talked about Misfits of Science. And, and Manimal. And Manimal. Nobody faces off against Dallas and survives. Well, there's another victim right there. It went up against Dallas, and yep, that's it. Even though it had a very cushy time slot, it was after Riptide, but before NBC's big show on Friday nights, Miami Vice. Wow. But also remember, this was Riptide's last season because it was done after 86. Yeah, Right, but, but still... It had a three-season run at that point, so... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you had Misfits of Science at 8 o'clock at that point. No. No, it was an established show, but yeah, it did get canceled in 86, but but yeah, it preceded Miami Vice, and it went up against Dallas, and that's the other reason it died, possibly, is going up against Dallas and the, the dropping ratings during the Super Bowl. Well... At least the next year, Stephen J. Canal would have 
two big hits, as we mentioned, 21 Jump Street on Fox, and of course, Wise Guy on CBS in 87. Oh, and also in 87 from Stephen J. Cannell, oh, future entry, J.J. Starbuck. Of course. Yeah. Because nothing says crime drama like a Texan who looks like the Texan from The Simpsons. <laughs> the rich Texan from The Simpsons. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. I was like, the Texan. The, what, what was what was that? It was the Blake Texan. And you were like, the rich Texan? That's Yeehaw! It. <laughs> was that your impersonation of the Texan on The Simpsons, Greg? Yeah, it was my impression. <laughs> <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> so, unless we have anything else, that's it. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, you can't find anything official that has been released on DVD, Blu-ray, or streaming. But if you are the enterprising sort, you can find the majority of the episodes on the YouTube. All eight episodes are on all YouTube eight, as of the time episodes. we're recording this. Mm-hmm. So watch them to your heart's content and you'll probably die like me at the end of the pilot. Basically. That was a great ending to the pilot. It was. T- too bad uh, t- 18 to 20% less viewers saw it than in the beginning of the show. If they stuck around and saw that part, I guarantee you the last precinct would have a six-season run. I don't know about that, but maybe it lasts more than eight episodes. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Possibly. Hey, guys, we're not done, because guess what we're going to do? Oh. Oh. Oh, yeah, baby. eBay Price is right. Oh. Oh. Theme me, baby. All right, guys, what I have is a collection of 16 promotional 35 millimeter slides from the last precinct. I'll say that again because you guys are just in total awe. 16 slides from the last precinct, 16 35 millimeter slides. 16 35 millimeter slides from the last precinct. 1635 yeah, yeah, not, millimeter not, slides. Yeah, not, 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 all right. Okay. I'm going to start with Chico. Uh, we'll do dollars and cents. Uh, this is a buy it now, but also I'm going to give you a caveat. The price that I'm going to look for is after an automatic 10% savings. Okay. okay so, so, it, so, so it is so, a, so we're playing Klaus's bargain bar, basically. Well, no, no. What, what, what you're going to do, there is a price 
but eBay touts save 10% for whatever reason. I want that 10%. Because apparently it's Cyber Monday still. Whatever. But the thing is, I want the the sale price with the 10% taken off. So if, for instance, you want to say $25... And it's actually uh, will take do ten percent less than that, say twenty two fifty. So okay. keep that in mind. So it might be a little lower than you expect. All right, um, I'm going to go twelve ninety nine. Twelve dollars ninety nine cents, Greg. Thirteen fifty. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> yeah, it was such a nice charitable person you are, there, Greg. The actual price the buy it now price before the 10 percent discount was 125 dollars oh! so with with 10 percent off it's 112 dollars and 50 cents wow what yeah well, well the thing is taking a look at ebay at least as of right now there's no other auctions with slides there's a number of auctions with photos but there's no 35 millimeter slides. So maybe that has something to do with it. You know, rarity and stuff like that. But yeah, 112.50 will get you these 16 slides. Okay. I don't have that much money right now. Well, I have that much money, but I'm not going to pay for slides. What else am I going to do with slides? Well, I- I've got a slide converter. You, you put the slides in the... Uh, the converter and then uh, run it through the program and yep. it converts slides into JPEGs. So yeah. I, I could use them, but I'm not paying 112.50 because I, I, I haven't done my Christmas shopping yet. Yeah, well, neither I'd, am I. I'd get that second chance 1987 cast slide before that. The one with the uh, Kill Martin and Matthew Perry back to back. Yeah, like... <laughs> of course you would, and and you'd make it into a photo, and you'd probably blow it up to probably like. Uh, 16 by 20 size and hang it in your bedroom. It w- I would. I'd hang it right next to the photo of Simon McCorkendale with his falcon. Or, or, or actually you'd get it blown up, put it in a frame, and you'd have the McLean Stevenson statue holding it. <laughs> I would. I definitely I you, would. Oh, I know you would. I know, I know you too well. I know you like your brother. But that's it for the last precinct. Now that we got that out of the way. Yep. Uh, last precinct had brilliant TV minds behind it, had brilliant talents in front of it. The only thing it couldn't get ahead of was Dallas. And because of that, ultimately in 1986, it became a thing on TV. It did. Yeah. Well. You can go to itwasathingontv.com, our website. You can listen to the 220 previous episodes to this one. And also on our website, we got all our live shows, our director's cuts, our remasters of our early episodes. And also, this coming Wednesday, Chico, into the Spidey movie-verse, we discuss Venom. Oh, yeah. A loser who teams up with another loser to fight crime and kind of sort of get in a ruckus. Yeah. But hey, it's all fun. It's like, you wouldn't think that um, a Venom origin story without Spider-Man would work, but it did. It did. 
And what can I say? Except Tom Hardy makes a really good Eddie Brock. Just saying. Yeah. Okay. But in the meantime, you can follow us on all the socials that it was a thing on TV. Make sure you check us out. Except on for Facebook. Because oh, yeah. it was a thing on TV podcast. That's right. Except for Facebook. It's that it was a thing on TV podcast. Small price we had to pay to appease the Facebook machine. All yeah. hail the Facebook machine. Yes. Yeah, was... Thanks, Mark Fuckerberg. It was like the scene in uh, what Superman the movie with the uh, with the Kryptonian Council. Guilty. Guilty. Oh, our next episode. Yeah. Oh, yes. We have an '80s icon, a spinoff of an '80s icon. They are together again, and somehow the holidays are involved. How? Okay, makes sense. I understand, I think. Well, how are the holidays involved? Well, you're going to have to find out next time on It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Well! See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station. (laughs) 